People of the world, good day and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. We are three Black African-American men who are giving voice to that most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population. So give us a listen and see what makes us unique from the other voices out there, because we've got no strings attached and no filters to keep us from saying exactly what we think and what we believe a lot of you are interested in hearing even if you may not always agree. So wherever you are, buckle up for a weekly experience that's sure to be unlike any other, but hopefully not for long. Our ground rules, we're not starting this process with our own introductions because we feel that the message is the thing and we want to get right into it. As we go along, you'll learn about as much about us as you care to know. But right off the bat, we want you to know that each episode is designed to be about 30 minutes of discussion because as my grandfather always said, it don't take all day to do nothing. And because, frankly, we don't believe in over-talking a subject. We'd rather you want more, not less from us and our guests. And just before we launch out, here's how you can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions. We're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group with the same name. And if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Now let's get to it. All right, Scott, Norm, let's tell the people why the world needs to hear the brothers talk. Okay, speaking back on uh, and to add to what Robert was just saying, one of the reasons that we decided to do this podcast is because there are very few Black men on radio and on TV or social media in general who are speaking to some of our concerns. Uh, for some reason, they are afraid to call a spade a spade or they tend to ignore that there's an elephant in the room. We're here to change all that. That's why we're doing Brothers Talk. And since we have these discussions amongst ourselves all the time, why not invite some other brothers in? You yeah. know, why, why not create a forum for everybody? Exactly. And we know that there are certainly people out there that are black faces in white places that are acceptable to the mainstream media. And because primarily they are non-threatening or they don't make white people feel uncomfortable. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're speaking a truth that's represented by us when we realize that they are distinctly two Americas because we see a lot of prejudice and racism that goes on. Yet, because nobody wants to bring it to the forefront, it's easy for the two Americas to coexist, that there's a white America who doesn't have to face that reality and then there are us who are people of color, who especially us as blacks, who see these kinds of injustices go on all the time. Yeah, like uh, what's going on right now in politics. Let's take what the, what the Republicans just did. So we have an impeachment trial, but you don't have any witnesses. You don't have any document. And pretty much you're just going to say, OK, we're going to quit this guy. When have you ever heard of a trial with no witnesses? no documents, just, well, we're in control. We're the power structure in this country, rich white boys. Pretty much that's what it is. Well, pretty much you're 100% accurate, but it comes down to white privilege. And there's nev never going to be a trial with a person of color with no witnesses. 
especially when 77% of the population is in favor of hearing witnesses simply for the, the, the common sense reason that in any trial, as we've come to understand it, you're supposed to hear whatever evidence there is to be presented. And if you got people who can give the kind of information that is a part of that evidence, why wouldn't those who are supposed to be judging this want to hear it? But as you said, Norm, when you have white privilege at the, the core of it, what it really boils down to is they're basically doing their best to protect that white privilege. So once again, they are able to do that to the disdain of 77% of the people. Well, you know, the privilege trumps justice. You know, somebody, I can't remember the female name. I was looking at MSNBC. I couldn't, couldn't watch the trial. I couldn't watch the, you know, couldn't watch that show. So, you know, just kind of when they recap it. And, and this woman, black female, she said, you know, I think what white America just witnessed is the way that black folks have been treated all of their lives. When you make up the rules to benefit one group and when you're, when there's not equal justice. And I mean, I was like, wow, you know, that's deep. And there were people on that show, like you know, nodding their head in, in agreement. Yeah, and you're right, because that's that to me was the same thing that I thought when I saw that, that massacre up in Sandy Hook School in Connecticut. And you had, after that, that tragedy occurred where you had 26 people, including, I think, most of them being like school-age young children, like five, six years old, and, and white. And at the same time, you had 94% of the country come out in favor of stronger gun laws and gun restrictions at that time. And yet you had a small group of white privileged people who make up the NRA able to influence the Congress not to do anything. That just told me something about the nature of white privilege in and of itself. Because I said, even when it comes to protecting their own precious babies, they would err on the side of being able to demonstrate that they can withstand the will of the people. Yeah, Scott, you know, the one thing that's really interesting about that quote you just, uh, you just gave us here is that white people don't even see that. You know, they don't even see that, nor do they see the institutional racism that defines our lives every day. Well, racism is such a, a third rail topic to them. And the one thing that they continue to do is they refuse to define racism for what it really is. That's why you'll hear like white people when the term racist comes up, first thing they'll want to do is try to say like when they want to deny being racist, then in the next breath, they'll say, well, they're black racist too. That's what I mean by not acknowledging what the real definition is. They want to conflate racism with bigotry and prejudice, which all of us have our bigotries and prejudice because all that means is what we prefer. The difference in racism is saying that you have power that you can use over another group because of what you perceive to be their race. And that's why you can't ever have blacks or members of other minorities to ever truly be able to practice racism because we don't have the power. It's only the dominant white power structure that can actually practice racism. But that's their easy fallback position. Again, because they can do that of conflating race with prejudice and bigotry, we all do have those tendencies. But the truth of the matter is the only ones who can actually be racist in terms of practicing racism is white America. The other thing, too, about this whole about racism is how you have a lot of black folks in the now, and in particular, black women. I ran across a lot of black women who, uh, when you start talking about a racial experience that you had as a black man, they want to just basically say you whining, you're whining. You know, black men, all you want to do is just whine. People want to discredit what you're saying. And I, 
And I, I, was, I was telling this one lady, I was like, look, unless you're a black man, you can't really understand what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that black women don't experience racism because they do. But the kind of racism that's directed at black men, unless you're a black man, and I told her, you're the, we're, the only, we're the only group of people. You could be in your car, minding your own business, driving down the road or going to work, going wherever, and you get pulled over and somehow you end up dead. That doesn't happen to anybody else. It happened to one group of people, and that's black men. So yeah. we got to be conscious all the time where we are, what we're doing, what we say, our demeanor, just nonstop. And other people don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And so when you're right, when you do acknowledge that there have been situations like Sandy Bland, where it has happened to, to some black women as well. But as you say, Scott, we each day leave our houses under the threat. Yeah. If we encounter a racist cop that day, there's a good probability we may not make it home. Yeah, and yet we have to to stand up and say, well, okay, we got we're gonna go out in spite of that. And as you said, no other group has to fear that. You know, like not, not 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 to uh uh diminish what happened to Sandra Sandra Bland because what happened to her happened in, when they arrested her in jail. I'm talking about in your car in a routine traffic stop. How many times have we heard about have heard of brothers getting killed in the car? You know, as a matter of fact, what about that brother in Maryland who was handcuffed in the front seat and just got yeah. seven, seven shots? And that raises that other side of it, which is, like you said, then you've got the internalized racism because that was a black cop who did the shooting. Yeah. And so, you know, so you've got that amongst the, the folks who will come out and think that somehow uh, they were talking about how in California, how a lot of times the worst practitioners of racism were the black cops who were doing what they thought their white masters wanted them to do. And so they would come out and be tougher on black people and more brutal to no black question. people than their white counterparts. And, you know, that's one of those areas where you got, again, people try to say, well, that means that black people can be racist. Well, no. How can a black person be racist toward his own per people? Because that same thing applies to him. But what he can be is he can be supportive of racism, a system that's put in place by whites to keep blacks oppressed. And that was happening in Maryland. Black cops were brutalizing black people, men and women, about, about 20 years ago. The uh, Justice Department had to intervene. Basically, they did a study. You couldn't even drive in stretches of PG County on 95 without being pulled over if you were black, driving while black, by black cops, and dragging people out of the cars, I mean, it was insane. And so that speaks to just what you were saying, Rod. Uh, you have people who basically internalized it and they think that, you know, this is what master want me to do. So I got to please master. And, you know, a funny, a new development and something that, you know, I've been looking at is this notion now uh, that, you know, those same people who like to try to shout about not being racist, it's like there's some third category and so we've been busy trying to make people understand there is no third category that's called non-racist, that really you're either against racism or you support racism. Because right. if you don't do anything to counteract racism, that makes you complicit in racism. You're part so, of the problem. You know, right. So the people out there who want to jump up and shout, well, I'm not racist. Well, then if you're not doing anything to actively stop racism, then actually you are racist. And so we have to, again, 
hold people more accountable for those kinds of things that they say, because there's no middle ground, because that's why all these folks out there who can now say they are not racist, and yet they support this White House when he's doing racist stuff. It's like, well, no, if you support a racist, that makes you racist. It if you don't do right. anything against the racist, that makes you racist. There is no in-between. One of my coworkers, uh, I go to lunch, used to go to lunch with him, white male, me, him, and another brother. You know, we'll go to lunch every day. He, he's from New Jersey. And, uh, and I would say to him, and he would just smile, wouldn't say anything. We talked about politics, he didn't make a comment. For a whole year, when we went to lunch, I would say, yeah, you voted for Trump. And the other brother started saying, yeah, he, he voted for Trump because he's not saying anything. Then he admitted that he voted for Trump because his wife left him because she was a staunch uh, Hillary Clinton supporter. And when she found out that he voted for Trump, she was like, I don't know who you are. You know, I'm married mm-hmm. to a guy who support racism, sexism, all of the isms. She left him. And then he tries to say, well, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not a racist. And that's what the brother would tell the other brother saying, well, well, no, nah, you know, he's, he's not racist. I'm like, look, he said the reason he, su- he supported Trump is because he believes in what Trump believes in. Well, if he believes in what Trump believes in, then he's racist. And, you know, the, the worst thing is to have a brother sit there and become an ally of the racist. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the white supremacist. I'm like, well, why am I even sitting with you? Exactly. I don't go to lunch with them anymore. Okay. I'm like, wow, come yeah, on, man. It really is hard to, to get your mind around the idea the the Black people who can find themselves literally selling themselves out because that's the thing that they don't seem to get. It's like at the end of the day, you know, if you're a Black person and you decide to support 45, frankly, I would rather you be over there and I know where you are so I don't have to deal right. with you. But it's just unconscionable that, that they can't, have their eyes opened anymore. I saw a picture recently of a uh, of, of a black woman wearing a Trump 2020 gown that, you know, had that all emblazoned across the front. And the only thing I felt for was pity. That stuff doesn't even really make me angry anymore. The bottom line is like, because I don't know, you can't talk to them because there's nothing that they get out of it other than they have this misguided sense of yeah their own independence. Like they don't want to be like everybody else. They'll start talking about the Democratic Party and whatnot. It's like, look, this isn't about Democrat or Republican. This is simply about your own self-respect. Yeah, you want to go up to her and say, who are your people? You right. know, who raised you? I mean, really, they did a terrible job if you got a guy like uh, another brother that I know, which is when I think about it, I'm like, geez, I know a lot of brothers who support 45. And this brother is talking about or he's going to make America great again. I'm like, what does that mean to you? I know what it means to him, but what does it mean to you? For him, he's talking about going back to the 60s and the 50s and when you couldn't look a white man in the eye if you were black. So that's what you want to go back to? Well, the question that that I always want to ask him is just a simple one. When was America ever great for black people? For black people, exactly. And there is no answer that they can pose for that. And so for them to be supporting MAGA is just like the perfect sense of your understanding just how totally brain dead they really are. And yet they are out there. But again, as I said before, I'm of the, the opinion that if that's what they want to do, fine. Because those are folks like Nat Turner would say, you can't trust them. Nope. So you nope. really don't want them around you anyway. And so I'm perfectly fine with them being out there, letting themselves announce themselves and, and be puppets for his political 
efforts, but we know for a fact that the majority, the vast majority, you know, they keep trying to say the his support is increasing. We we live with black people, so we don't see that ever happening. We know yeah, exactly who the few are, but you right. know, and they keep trying to claim otherwise, but it's not true. It's always going to be some sellouts, you know, mm-hmm. some hang of head. It's always going to happen. And then they go out there in the media and distort the truth. Uh, and that's what they do. They lie all the time. You know, you got people who can only think on third grade educational level. You know, they're, they're not critical thinkers. What, what really pushed it over the cliff is when McCain chose Sarah Palin. That, that really just opened the floodgates. Yeah. Well, she goes back to Reagan. Because you remember, Reagan was the first to go in and start gutting the education budget in order to provide tax cuts. And so we've had 40 years now of continuously more and more cuts to the education budget, which, as you said, Scott, it resulted in that dumbing down of America. And I never will forget that when you go back and look at the late 80s and the early 90s, they had these segments on like The Tonight Show, and they had a show called Street Walking, where they were actually making fun of how stupid people had become. You know, Jay, Jay Leno used to walking up on college campuses and down the street asking people basic questions. And it was somehow a hilarious premise that people didn't know who the vice president was. People didn't know how many states, things like that. And so, you know, and to me, I thought like, okay, this is the result of what's happening. You know, they cut things that the Republicans were able to present and try to say these were boondoggles like midnight basketball. They made a uh, whipping boy when midnight basketball was more about tutoring uh, kids whose parents had to work like the second shift. And so instead of them being latchkey kids and staying at home, they could go to the gym and while at the gym get tutoring. But of course, they could have a chance to uh, also get some exercise and play basketball. But they made it seem like, you know, okay, your tax money is just going into education so that you can fund inner cities midnight basketball program when these kids ought to be home asleep. And so, you know, they started cutting Head Start program and yep. kindergarten program. Yep. And so we've had 40 years now where you got people who've lost the ability to think critically, which is one more reason, you know, why we knew we needed to be out here doing the Brothers Talk, because we are from the generation before that who still remembers that we can look at and information and read and understand what's behind it. We don't just take anybody's word for what they say. Yeah, we got to figure out how do we re-educate these people to, to stop listening to all this propaganda, uh, especially on some of these right, right-wing uh, TV shows and radio shows. And it seems like another one spring up every day. Uh, and that's what I, these people that I was talking about, the brothers I was talking about who supported 45, one of them told me, that if he wants to get the truth, he has to listen to Fox News. But you, I hear that quite often, actually. I'm like, what? And you know, and you really don't want to know why is because people don't want to think; they just want to regurgitate talking points. Right. And what else is is really so funny about that? And, and I mean, and funny. I mean, ironic, not funny, haha. But it's that Fox News is actually branded under the entertainment division. You know, right. you go to MSNBC, CNN. Uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, they all are branded under news, but Fox is branded under entertainment. So, you know, that gives them license to not to be held to the same standard. And, you know, and I do that with air quotes, that standards that say that, you know, news organizations are supposed to be accountable for telling the truth. Entertainment, on the other hand, has no such stipulation. So Fox can even on their news broadcast 
conveniently ignore facts and put out opinion. And yet, as you say, you see the statistics saying that, you know, Fox is the number one news source. Right. And But even then, you question that. But to your other question, Scott, like I said, I don't know if the people who have grown up for 40 years without the ability to critically think can be changed. I think we can certainly start with some of the younger people and just hopefully a podcast like ours and maybe some other folks who will be inspired will do some of the things that will maybe get people to at least start to think. Is there more out there than what they see on television? And I, and I think the younger the Gen Xs, they are beginning to become more critical thinkers because they have other avenues. Other, they're not, uh, I want to say, married to, say, MSNBC or Fox or CNN. They have so many other sources for getting their information. But the dangerous part about that is a lot of them rely on social media, which you never know what, whether that stuff is true or not to coming off social media. You're right. All right. You got too many bots out there that are just flooding based on what their interests are. Uh, but again, the real unfortunate part is so many of them have grown up under the illusion that entertainment is news. And I mean, yeah. that even beyond the Fox thing is that, That's you know, problem. they can tell you what Rihanna has done or what Meghan Markle and the Prince of so forth. But when you try to have a conversation with them about gerrymandering or voter suppression or the, the redlining issues and, and things like that. I've had a conversation with our local NAACP president where, you know, I've been trying to help him to understand that if he's going to get more young people to register to vote, then he really needs to focus on more relevant issues to them. The idea of telling them that they should vote because their great-grandparents fought and marched and bled and died for that right isn't something that they can relate to. No. I mean, it's just the no. reality of it. As you got to talk to them about why voting for them means they might be able to get a good job and better housing and health care and daycare, and that if they could understand in that frame, that's what it will actually mean to them. But the historical context, that ship is sailed. Oh, yeah. No, no Ryan, I want to just touch on one thing you said that's really important here, is that entertainment has taken over the society. I mean, you, you mentioned something in entertainment and people will know that, but you mentioned what's going on in the country and they're oblivious. And, and there really is. I mean, but and that's the value of the Facebooks and Twitters and, and so forth that's out there. But, I mean, that's, that's just a, an indictment on our society, period, that the people who have the most important responsibilities in this country are, are, are teachers. And yet they have so degraded that profession that instead of being able to attract the best and brightest people to it, like they do in other nations, like you go to Europe and you go to, to the African nations, there is a, a professionalism that and a respect that's accorded teachers that just doesn't exist here. And accordingly, they don't pay like they should to that profession. But at the same time, you've got like, you know, actors and actresses and professional athletes who who command multi-million dollar salaries and are not begrudging them anything. But I'm just saying that when we look at our priorities, we right. really do have things kind of out of whack. It's, it's insane because, you know, you're talking about people who are spending, your kids are spending most of the day, a big chunk of their lives with our teachers. They're shaping, they're shaping your kids, but you think that the gratification that you're getting from the entertainers the athletes is more important than someone who's shaking the mind and the lives of your kids. I mean, it's just insane. It's, it's, it's just dumb. For people not to 
rally behind teachers, when you take a look at what's going on, it's normally just a teacher's union that, that are supporting teachers. I don't see a lot of parents. I used to be a teacher, a high school math teacher. I don't see a lot of parents out there supporting teachers. You know, you have teachers supporting teachers, and that's pretty much it. And you know what they do? Basically, anytime teachers step up, then they tie teacher salaries to like property taxes and stuff. So automatically, instead of people being concerned about the fact that these teachers handling the the future of the country, it's about, well, right now my taxes are too high and I don't want to pay more taxes. So we don't need teachers to get any higher salaries. And this is one I think we'll certainly be able to dive down into in much more detail as we made our commitment to keep these broadcasts to around uh, half an hour. We're just about to that point. So we just want to thank each and every one of you for spending some time with us. And we hope you'll be back with us again next week. We'll drop a new episode each Friday. And next time our focus will be on more of the education, more on internal racism, and just about anything else that you might bring to our attention, as well as what's going on in the world. So remember, you can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions. It's at the Brothers Talk on Twitter, the Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Till then, be blessed, and the time is now, because that's all any of us really have. So let's do better every day.